everyone, welcome back to the Gate of Heaven video diary and in the next few episodes we're going to be looking at this series of chapters in the Dawnbreakers that cover these four major upheavals that take place around Iran while the Bab is in the prison of Shirik. And these are the, the upheavals of Mazandaran, Nairiz, Zanjan and Tehran. And so this is around the end of the 1840s, coming into the year 1850. And it might take a few episodes to get through each of these upheavals. And as I mentioned before, some of the scenes in these chapters are quite upsetting. So just so you're aware in advance. But we'll, we'll soldier on into the Mazandaran upheaval. So the Mazandaran upheaval is set in motion when Mullah Hussein, who, who has been continuing to travel around Iran, spreading the message of the Bab, has made his way to the city of Mashhad in the far eastern province of Khorasan. And while he's in Mashhad, he receives a message from the Bab. And this message is accompanied by the Bab's own green turban, which is the symbol of his lineage back to the Prophet Muhammad. And he tells Mullah Hussein to wear this green turban and to raise up a black flag and to, to, uh, to fly this flag across the plains of Khorasan in fulfilment of a prophecy attributed to Muhammad himself who 1200 years earlier had said should your eyes behold the black standards proceeding from Khorasan hasten ye towards them even though ye should have to crawl over the snow inasmuch as they proclaim the advent of the promised Mehdi, the vicegerent of God. So a friend in Mashhad gives Mullah Hussein a horse for the journey and a sword to defend himself from the attacks that this journey is inevitably going to attract. And Mullah Hussein places the Bab's green turban on his head and he raises up a black flag and he sets out galloping across Khorasan, proclaiming the Bab's message in every town and village that he passes through and gathering with him anyone who accepts the message and is willing to ride with him under the black flag. And after riding from, from one end of Khorasan to the other, Mullah Hussein has gathered with him about 200 companions and together they continue across Iran until eventually they arrive in the province of Mazandaran. And in Mazandaran, they are approaching the town of Barfarush, which you might remember is the hometown of Qudus, where Mullah Hussein had had that very special meeting with him. Well, Qudus is elsewhere at the moment, and we're going to catch up with him later. But uh, as Mullah Hussein and his companions are approaching the town, the high priest of Barfarush hears of them coming and with all the hatred he can muster, he incites a mob to attack Mullah Hussein. And there's an extraordinary story about this encounter that takes place on, on the road to Barfarush. So Mullah Hussein and his companions are riding along the road, getting closer and closer. And suddenly, like like a flash flood, this, this angry mob bursts out of Barfarouche onto the road with spears and pitchforks and flaming torches, any weapon they can get their hands on, and they attack 
Mullah Hussein and his companions who are then forced to defend themselves. And in the midst of this attack, Mullah Hussein sees one of his companions take a bullet, boom, and he falls. And another one, another bullet, boom, and he falls. And Mullah Hussein scans the mob and suddenly he sees one of the villagers hiding behind a tree with a rifle, picking off the companions one by one. And Mullah Hussein locks his sight on him. The man jumps behind the tree, holding the rifle upright to hide. And like a bull, Mullah Hussein charges directly at the tree. And with one blow of his sword, he slices its blade through the trunk of the tree, through the barrel of the gun, and through the body of the gunman himself. And this wave of all just blasts outward from Mullah Hussein. It nearly knocks the Barfarushi people off their feet as they gaze, stunned, at Mullah Hussein standing there, probably in some shock himself, with the sword in his hand beside this cloven tree, the shattered rifle, and the severed body of the gunman. And they freeze for a moment and then flee in terror back to Barfarouche. And Nabil writes of this act, the astounding force of that stroke confounded the enemy and paralyzed their efforts. All fled panic-stricken in the face of so extraordinary a manifestation of skill, of strength, and of courage. Now, as extraordinary as that act is in itself, it's made even more extraordinary when we remember that Mullah Hussein was no fighter. He, he was not a soldier. He was not a swordsman. He had never had any kind of training in, in combat of any kind. He was a student who up until then had spent his life immersed in his books studying metaphysics and theology uh, and he was known among his classmates as a as a, a timid humble person who had a, a trembling hand and a, and a delicate constitution and yet in that moment something had so overpowered his his being that he just refused to stand by and watch his companions being picked off and dropping like flies. And one of his companions, Muhammad Farugi, uh, has recorded his, his response to this act in the Dawnbreakers. He says, I myself was a witness to this act of Mullah Hussein. Had I not seen it with my own eyes, I never would have believed it. I have known him from his childhood and have been associated with him as a classmate and friend for a long time. I have never known him to be possessed of such strength and power. I even deem myself superior in vigor and bodily endurance. His hand trembled as he wrote, and he often expressed his inability to write as fully and as frequently as he wished. He was greatly handicapped in this respect, and he continued to suffer from its effects until his journey to Mazandaran. The moment he unsheathed his sword, however, to repulse that savage attack, a mysterious power seemed to have suddenly transformed him.
So far from fleeing, Mullah Hussein then marches directly into the center of Barfarouche and he shouts out to the people, O oh, followers of the Prophet of God, why have you risen against us? Why deem the shedding of our blood an act meritorious in the sight of God? Did we ever repudiate the truth of your faith? Is this the hospitality which the Apostle of God has enjoined his followers to accord to both the faithful and the infidel? What have we done to merit such condemnation on your part? But the people of Barfarouche are unresponsive and Mullah Hussein senses their hatred growing and so in order to protect his companions he leaves the town and leads them through the forests of Mazandaran where they take shelter at an old shrine uh, in, in the countryside which is the burial place of, uh, of a revered old scholar called Sheikh Tabarsi. And Mullah Hussein and his companions with whatever materials they can find they construct this fort around the shrine of Sheikh Tabarsi as a place where they can have some protection from the attacks that are inevitably going to follow them. And just as they're finishing the construction of this fort, a messenger arrives informing Mullah Hussein that Baha'u'llah is on his way to visit them at the fort. And when Mullah Hussein hears this, his entire being just lights up because you might remember that it was Baha'u'llah that, that Mullah Hussein had found way back in those early days when the Bab had given him that mission to find the secret treasure of Tehran. And so Mullah Hussein sweeps the paths and he sprinkles water on all the approaches to the fort. And when he sees Baha'u'llah coming, he runs forward, he embraces him and welcomes him into the fort. And the companions are really perplexed by uh, Mullah Hussein's behaviour towards Baha'u'llah. He's just transfixed by him and Muhammad Farugi again has uh, has described their perplexity as they as they watched Mullah Hussein's behavior uh, during Baha'u'llah's visit at the fort he says we were too blind in those days to recognize the glory of him whom our leader had introduced with such reverence and love into our midst what Mullah Hussein had perceived our dull vision was as yet unable to recognize. With what solicitude he received him in his arms, what feelings of rapturous delight filled his heart on seeing him. He was so lost in admiration that he was utterly oblivious of us all. His soul was so wrapped in contemplation of that countenance that we who were awaiting his permission to be seated were kept standing a long time beside him. And so Baha'u'llah gives this tremendous infusion of, of encouragement into the companions. And he gives Mullah Hussein counsels on how to take care of the welfare of everybody in the fort. And he, he assures them that they must trust in God and that whatever happens, they will be successful in their ultimate purpose. And on concluding his visit to the fort, Baha'u'llah says one last thing to Mullah Hussein. He says, the one thing this fort and company require is the presence of Qudus.
So shortly after Baha'u'llah leaves the fort, Qudus is sent for, and when he arrives, Mullah Hussein hands over the leadership to him because he has really, he, Mullah Hussein has come to see Qudus as this, this hollow reed, this, this mystical reflection of the Bab himself among them. And Qudus instills a whole new level of courage and confidence uh, in, in the companions and he prepares them for the attacks that he senses are soon to come upon them. Because sure enough, back in Barfarouche, the high priest is now writing a letter inducing the new king of Iran to eradicate the Babis at the fort of Sheikh Tabarsi. He writes, the standard of revolt has been raised by the contemptible sect of the Babis. This wretched band of irresponsible agitators has dared to strike at the very foundations of the authority with which your imperial majesty has been invested. They have built themselves a fort and in that massive stronghold they have entrenched themselves ready to direct a campaign against you. With unswerving obstinacy, they have resolved to proclaim their independent sovereignty, a sovereignty that shall abase to the dust the imperial diadem of your illustrious ancestors. You stand at the threshold of your reign. What greater triumph could signalize the inauguration of your rule than to extirpate this hateful creed that has dared to conspire against you? It will serve to establish your majesty in the confidence of your people. It will enhance your prestige and invest your crown with imperishable glory. And so Nasser Din Shah, the young, inexperienced new king of Iran, agrees to the appeal of the high priest of Barfarouche and in the next video, we will see what happens when the Imperial Army descends from Tehran on the fort of Sheikh Tabarsi. Thanks for watching.